Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. The last couple of weeks, the last few weeks, we've been um, speaking on God's provision. God's provision. That God, God is amazing God. He's an abundant, amazing, loving God, and He wants to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in heavenly places. So he doesn't supply our needs according to the resources of this earth or the systems of this earth or the financial system of this earth. He goes way above that and he supplies our needs according to his riches and glory in heavenly places. And um, the first week, I think it was before Father's Day, we were speaking about um, that Third John verse, I think two or three, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So the way we prosper and are in health is when our soul prospers. Our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts. All right, so God wants us to prosper, but first he wants us to prosper internally. When we, when we prosper internally, then everything else in the outward will end up prospering. So... Alrighty, you excited? You ready for the journey? Um, Galatians, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Galatians really quickly. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, chapter 6. And I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures, I must say. It says, do not be deceived. When the Word of God says, do not be deceived, it's telling us to not be deceived because we can be deceived. And so this is a real introduction to say, don't be deceived. And when the Bible says don't be deceived, it's because there's a possibility we can be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This is the area that we get deceived in, that we think that God can be mocked. Why do we mock God? Or why do we blame God? Why do we make excuses? Why do we think, God, why is this happening? Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man or woman sows, that he will also reap. Very clear, very simple, very short, very precise truth or statement. Whatever a man or woman sows, that shall he also reap. So you and I are reaping what we've sown. So you can't blame God for it. So when something happens, you go, oh, why is this happening, God? Oh, you can't blame God for it because we, we, we reap what we sow. Now, we're going to explain that and help us understand that. Someone said, uh, it's an anonymous quote, but it said, we sow a thought and we reap an action. That means if you keep sowing that thought, you'll end up getting an action. You sow an action and you keep sowing that action, you'll, you'll reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you'll reap a character. And when you sow character, you'll reap a destiny. All right. Can I tell you a story? This is actually a true story. It happened in North Carolina. A lawyer, and this, is, this story is sort of is to, to show the point that God cannot be mocked and, and insurance companies cannot be mocked. Just, it's a bit of a funny joke. but A lawyer purchased a box of very rare expensive cigars. That, then he insured them against fire. He thought to himself, I'm going to insure these expensive cigars against fire. Right? Within a month, having smoked his entire stockpile of these great expensive cigars, the lawyer filed a claim against the insurance company. In his claim, the lawyer stated the cigars were lost in a series of small fires. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason that the man had consumed the cigars in a normal fashion. So the lawyer sued the insurance company, took it to court and won. 
Now, how did he win? Delivering the ruling, the judge agreed with the insurance company that the claim was frivolous. It's like, you know, he's insuring his expensive cigars against a fire and um, he ended up having little small fires because he lit up these cigars, cigars and smoking them. And now he's trying to say that it should be insured. And the, so the judge says it is frivolous. The judge stated nonetheless the, that the lawyer held a policy from the company in which he had warranted that the cigars were insurable and also guaranteed that it would, that it would be insured against fire without defining what is considered to be unacceptable fire and was obligated to pay the claim. So they didn't explain what type of fire, so they had to pay the, 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 the they sued him. And rather than enduring lengthy, costly appeal process, the insurance company accepted the ruling and paid $15,000 to the lawyer for this loss of the cigars and that perished in, the, in these small little fires. Now for the best part of the whole story. This is a true story, by the way. After the lawyer cashed the check, the insurance company had, an, had him arrested on 24 counts of arson. It's a true story with his own insurance claim and his own testimony in court from the previous case being used against him. The lawyer was convicted of intentionally burning his insured property and was sentenced to 24 months in jail and $24,000 fine. So you, what you sow, you reap. He was trying to get away with it. He was trying to be cunning. He was trying to think, I'm a, I'm a smart lawyer. I'm just going to be able to play around with the law and get what I want. But the very thing he sowed, he ended up reaping. There's a story of a mother and a child in the front part of the garden and the mother's showing the daughter how to plant seeds and in her garden she's got a whole tray of seeds and she's putting the seeds in absolute order and spreading it out and a prop, you know, to do it properly. And so she's teaching this little young daughter how to do it but all of a sudden the phone call rings. Phone, phone rings, she has to run in. Back in the day, you used to run in and get the phone call. You had to run into the house and get the phone. And she's talking to her on the phone. The little daughter starts to keep doing the seed thing. And so she thinks, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make mum happy. And, but she accidentally tips over the trays and all the seed go into the ground. And she's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? She's afraid of her mum's response. So she thinks, I'll just cover it up with dirt. So she covers it all up with dirt. And so when her mum finally comes back, she's surprised that she finished so quickly. How'd you get that done so quickly? It was this meticulous sort of in order. And she says, oh, yes, mum, I did everything properly the way you told me to. Really? You did everything right? Yes, mum. But when spring came and those things grew up, it showed a different story altogether. So you can't say what you do because your seeds show up what we do. Now, you can't lie and say, no, I didn't do that seed. I didn't plant the seeds. We are always sowing seed whether we realize it or not. Do you know why I don't have a vegetable garden in my backyard? Do you know why I don't have one? Because I never planted one. Do you know why you don't have a vegetable garden in your backyard? Because you didn't plant one. Unless you've got one, of course. I mean, Sal's got a very small patch. He thinks he's amazing because <laughs> he's started to grow some, you know, herbs and vegetables. And, but he's sowing. He's taking the time, putting seeds in the ground that grows. And so we, in life, it's the same thing. When we really believe what the Word of God says, the Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse 21, and a lot of us know this scripture, the tongue has the power of life and death. And they that love it, love what? That revelation shall eat the fruit thereof. When you really, really believe that the, power, the tongue has the power of life and death, you'll be careful what you say. You know that saying that says, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's a truth statement. But what's even truer is when God says it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. 
When it comes to the spiritual law of sowing and reaping, God spoke it out into existence. When He put that spiritual law out, it's true whether you believe it or not. It, it, it works for you as much as it works against you. Do you understand? Let me write. God says it. Uh, uh, let me read it. Wait, 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 wait. Example, everything we do or don't do is a seed sown or planted. Your thoughts or attitudes or actions is a seed sowing. Hard work or laziness is a seed, is sowing seed. Spending time with someone or neglecting them is sowing seed. The words we speak is sowing seeds. Words can bless or words can curse. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. If you want to write it down, and just in case you don't believe what you're saying, Leo, look it up in the Scriptures. It's in the Bible, your, your Bible. And it says, I call, this is the Lord God saying this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you, set before you and I, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed shall live. When we choose life, it doesn't just affect our life, it affects the children after us. The generation after us, a beautiful song we sang, and your children and blessings of your children and your children. And your, the song we just sang. <laughs> Powerful song. When we get blessed, it just blesses all the way down. Everything we do is seed sowing or planting that will grow trees and will eat the fruit thereof. Can you repeat after me? I will eat of the fruit of the seed I plant. Say it this way. I am eating the fruit of the seeds I plant. Think about that. You and I are eating of the fruit of the seeds I've planted. We can't get away from this spiritual law. Mark chapter 4, Jesus says, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? What can I, you know, what comparison can I use to explain about the kingdom of God? Because it is like a mustard seed. And every time he used those phrases, what can I compare it to? He'd always use the word, he'd teach us about seeds. The power of seeds and the way seeds operate is very, very powerful. Jesus talked about Mark chapter 4 and he says, he talks about the sower sows the seed and there's four types of soil. And he talks about the way it produced fruit and everything and explained it very clearly, the distractions and all those things. And then one time he says, if you don't, don't you understand this parable, the parable of the seed? If you don't understand this parable, then you, you won't understand all the other parables. Understanding the way seeds operate helps us understand how the kingdom of God operates. Every area of our life. Now, I know I'm talking about finances in our series, but finance is just a small part of it. Everything we do is sowing seed. Everything. And I want us to catch the heart that the power of seed. Every single person in this room that's seated here, it's here because of seed. Your mum and dad. Well, your dad's seed. So just announcing Leon and Vanessa are pregnant. So the power of seed. There's power in seed. Seed is going to change her life and their life completely. It'll change her body, stretch marks. And sorry, I don't want to speak that over your life. It's going to be powerful, amazing. Your body's going to come straight back into place. But it's got... The seed changes things. It's powerful. The seed has power within itself. I mean, I don't have to think about it. Thank God God is like that. He puts all the information, all the DNA in a little seed that you cannot even see with your human eye. It's magnificent. And I believe it's true of the words we speak, of the actions we, 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 we take. And everything we do, every time we sow a seed, every time we give in generosity, it's powerful. It's a seed sown. We see it in the natural as I've now got less. 
God doesn't see it that way. I want us to change our thinking. Every time we give, we're actually giving or sowing. Even the word give doesn't do justice to sowing. Because in our mind, we think I give or I have given. And then we say I gave. In other words, I did it. I don't have to do it now. But when you think of the word sowing, the word sowing is planting a seed. Yes, it leaves your life. It leaves your hand physically, but it never leaves your life. Sorry. I plant a seed. It's going to grow, produce a plant or a tree with fruit in it, with seeds in it. So I get more after I've given. That's how we've got to look at sowing. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man or woman reaps what he sows. This principle or life, this principle of life, sorry, and, and spiritual law can never be outsmarted or overruled. We should learn to live in such a way to make it work for our advantage. And it can work for our advantage. The law of sowing and reaping doesn't just operate to warn us, don't do this, don't do that, because that's destructive. It's also there to bless us and bring, produce life. This law, spiritual law of sowing and reaping, is both wonderful when it works for you, but it's also dreadful when it works against you. Because you remember what God said? That settles it, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not, you are sowing. You could sow seeds that are destructive and you reap the fruit of that. You can say things that you never mean. You know, God says what he wants. God would never speak what he doesn't want. That's just the way he operates. He calls those things that be not as though they were because he says what he wants. He would never say what he doesn't want because if he says what he doesn't want, he gets it because his words are powerful. Well, he's made us, you and I, in his image and in his likeness. Yes, we lost the nature of God when we fell in Adam and Eve, but we've been restored to that nature. So now God's trying to say, be very careful, aware, realize it's both wonderful and dreadful. The words I speak create the worlds I live in. Everything I do. Do you believe the word of God? So number one, to positively use the law of sowing and reaping for our benefit, we must sow righteous seed always and only. We should sow righteous seed always and only and on purpose. We've grown, Christine and I, we might look young, but we've got grown up, as you know, we've got grown up kids that are having children now. We've got five children, um, four boys and a little girl. Our youngest is 13 and the two oldest are married. And so all our life, we've been doing our best to put this into place, to work the principle of the Word of God. Remember I was saying everything we do, everything we do is sowing and reaping. So we would say things into their life on purpose. I want, because I want an outcome. I'm a sower. I'm a farmer. I'm going to plant seeds, the Word of God, into their hearts. So it's plant seeds that you're great. You're going to do great things. You, you, you're special. God loves you. You're valuable. And all the words as they're young, really young. One of the things I purposely did, I may never forget this, when they're about five, six years old, I'd say, and maybe eight, nine, and that tender age, I'd say, we're always going to be close, aren't we? Yes, Dad, of course we are. We're going to be best friends forever? Yes, Dad, we're going to be best friends. You know, Dad, I'll never not be close to you. I'm thinking wisely because I know what everyone else says. Oh, watch out that the te- teenage years. Yeah, it's getting really hard with the teenage years. It's really, really tough. I never say, yeah, I know, teenage years, I'm dreading that. No, I wouldn't say that with my mouth because I'm not believing for that. I'm not speaking that out. So I'd say things like, well, when you become a teenager, you're a bit older and at school, you're not going to be ashamed of me, are you? No, Dad, of course not. You're going to hug me? Yeah, in front of your friends? Yes, Dad, of course I am. And all their life, they never had a problem with hugging me. In front of their friends. Neither do I with them. Because like, you plant the seed. I wanted something on purpose. I did it in love. And I did it to shape them to become more like Jesus. 
My dad didn't know Jesus. So he grew up in a harsh life in Italy, in Sicily, and he couldn't wait to leave home because his dad was really rough with him. So in his mind, when he got, when he got 18, he was able to leave home and he went to the, he went to the army to, to do a couple of years of, in the army. He couldn't wait to get out of home. So he'd say, when I'm a teenager, I'm 14 years old, 15 years old, tender-hearted, love my parents, want to be a good kid, want to be a good, obedient kid. He'd say, you watch. When you get, when you get old enough, you're going to get up and leave the home. What? He'd plant a seed. And he'd say it sometimes, once or twice, but that was enough to plant that seed. And it hurt me. So I think my parents think I'm going to just get up and leave. And I didn't believe it. But you know what? When I became a teenager and I'm 18, 19, and I'm not married. I mean, so I'm not a, I'm not a Christian. I, I, I got saved at 19. And I, was, I started to think, oh, I should get my own apartment, have my own place. What am I doing? Fulfilling the prophecy that he spoke out of fear. This principle is working for him. It still works. So we, if we get this principle, actually believe this is how the kingdom of God operates. We won't be afraid to sow seed and to give finances. It's just something that breaks off us. All right. Do you know, in saying all this, God God will often let us sow the seed without interfering us. Because remember, he presents life and death, blessing and cursing. He gives you a free will. When When he created Adam and Eve, he says, I give you authority to rule and to reign, take dominion. He gave us the free will. He won't take it back. Even when he spoke to Adam and Eve and he says, I give you all the trees of the garden. There's so many things you can do. Basically, he gave all the physical resources of the whole earth. He gives it to Adam and Eve. Go and enjoy this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. It's an untouchable tree. Don't touch it. Everything else, see, that's not God giving them less. They should not view that as, why is God withholding that tree? He's giving us less. I want to have it. That's, that's seeing God as a, not a good God. God's a good God. It was for their benefit for them not to touch it. And so God put it there because they had to be trust, They have to be tested with trust, tested with lordship, tested with God. You own everything and you're a good God. You're telling us not to touch it. Okay, we won't touch it. But God, in their act of disobedience, when they, disobeyed to, uh, they, they decided to disobey God, God did not intervene and God did not stop them from doing it, even though the consequence was bringing all of humanity into Spiritual death. God, God had no other choice. God, has a free, you know, God, God created us with free will. Now love demands us to love him back because we choose to. There's a lot of story behind that. But same with Moses. God told Moses, speak to the rock. And so when, God, when Moses gets angry, he strikes the rock. God doesn't stop him from doing it. And because he disobeyed, he doesn't go into the promised land. Um, King David he disobeys the Word of God and he tries to move the Ark of the Covenant with a new cart. But the Word of God says you should move the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of the priest. God doesn't say, no, don't do that, um, David. Don't, he doesn't intervene, stop him. But, but his best friend dies. Uriah dies. And we can go on and on and on. I mean, it doesn't stop David from committing Bash, uh, adultery with Bathsheba. And there was a lot of consequences to that. But he had a free will. He sowed sin, he reaped death. Does that make sense? King Saul was told by Samuel, don't take the, you know, the sheep and the thing and, and sacrifice everything to, to God and all those things. And he disobeyed God. But God didn't stop him and he lost his kingship. So God gives us the freedom. I want us to understand we're in charge of our life. This message is not going to tickle your ears. It's not going to make you feel good. It's actually going to put the responsibility, wow, God, you've given us the responsibility to live our life. 
with what we sow, what we say, what we do. Amen. Do you know, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, if you want to look it up, He says, says, judge not, lest you be judged. Condemn not, lest you be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So in the context of don't be a judgmental person, and you won't be judged. Don't be a condemning person, critical, condemning all the time. Because if you do that, you're going to get people condemning you. He says, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, says everyone, we quote the scripture out of the context of finances, which does work for finances, but it works for everything. Give of judgmental attitude, you'll reap judgmental attitude. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over shall men give into you with, this is the key, with the measure you use to give. It will be given back to you. God uses the measure you use to, to, to bring it back to you. Why? Because what you sow, you reap. It's the, it's the law of life. It's a spiritual law that's been put in place. That's why you can't mock God. You can't blame God. We are eating the fruit of the seeds we've spoken and, 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 and seeds we've sown. This should excite you. It's actually good news. Don't let it be serious. This is good news. I can take control of my life. If you're not happy with your life, you actually have control over it. You have the freedom to say, that's it. I'm not going to go there anymore. And the key is, I'm going to spend time with God, fill up my heart with the Word of God. When I first read that scripture, Luke chapter 6, where it says, good man, and a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil that's treasured up in his heart, he brings forth evil things. For, this is the reason why it all happens, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Whatever in my heart, I'll end up speaking. What I speak, I end up getting. So what, the good news about that truth is I can change what's in my heart, and so can you. You can put the Word of God in your heart and then speak the Word of God and you're planting seeds for God and for heaven and for righteousness. Amen. So when we understand the way God teaches us, you know, if someone gave you $1,000, just for no reason, just give you $1,000, and then that person five minutes later needed $100, probably wouldn't be hard to give him $100 if he asked for $100. It's like this picture, when you understand, when you really realize when God created Adam and Eve, He gave them all this amazing resource. He says, this tree is untouchable. That's the one that's off limits. And it's an issue of trust, an issue of lordship. Don't touch that. So when, when you realize God gave you everything, it's easy to say, okay, Lord, I won't. And that's, again, the principle of understanding. When you understand what God puts into place, even when it comes to the, 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 the tithe, when you understand the actual principle of the tithe, that God puts this principle in place. He says, this part I don't want you to touch because there's a, there's a reason behind it. There's a, a, a designated purpose to the tithe. And the Bible clearly teaches us the purpose of the tithe, one of them is to, that there be food in his house, right? The spiritual food in his house. And you look it up in the Old Testament and you understand the principle. What did God say behind it? He said, it is mine. It belongs to me. It is holy to the Lord. And it's designated for the purpose of taking care of the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priests were a priest that served God and served the people with the Word of God and the worship of Jehovah. They would go into the tabernacle and worship worship leaders, instruments and everything. And there was a whole tribe, but they were not given land to agriculture. All the other 11 tribes were given physical land as an inheritance and they had to sow and reap from it. And they were to bring tithe to the storehouse and the Levitical priests would dedicate themselves to the house of God. It was God's principle put in place. So he says, it's mine, belongs to me. And then when we use something that belongs to God, we're saying to God, I don't really trust you. I don't really believe you can take care of me. Let's be honest. In the natural, 
If I've got less, instead of 100%, now I've got 90% because I've given 10%, I've got now 90%. In the natural, it looks like I've got less. So you've seen it in the natural rather than in the spiritual that you're bringing back to God what belongs to Him. Now He has the chance and the honor and privilege to rebuke the devourer for you. And you've put His kingdom first. You've passed the test. You trust Him as Lord. And I'm telling you, the 90 will be way, way better than trying to live on the 100 without God. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a principle that I trust you with this, God. And remember, and I don't believe a tithe is a seed. Don't get me wrong. I really don't. Because the Bible doesn't say give the tithe. It says bring the tithe. God can't say bring something if it doesn't belong to Him. We're bringing back as a steward what is His. And, and we actually accuse the children of Israel of robbing Him. You can't accuse someone of robbing them if it's not God's. So we know it's God's, but then when we give a seed, every time you sow something, always remember the, the, the second principle is sowing and giving increases our capacity to receive. God's trying to teach us to be generous in every area of our life because actually it teaches us the capacity to receive. Because when I sow a seed, when I give, I'm sowing a seed. If I actually see it as a seed, then it left my life. I might have physically less, but I'm going to have more because that, tr- that seed will produce a tree with fruit in it, more seed in it, and I will have more in the long run. It will come back to me because Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. I believe the Bible. When I first, now I, I use this example because this is my, I, I, I became a Christian at 19. So I did not believe this stuff. I never read the Bible before and I, I never knew the Word of God. And, and, and when I started reading and believing these scriptures, I had to learn to trust God in these areas. And I remember one time I finished church, I had $15 in my pocket, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Leah, give this $15 to this guy, this guy right in front of me, and uh, he needs it. And, I, and I'm saying, oh, but Lord, you know, I, I, I need this for this week. There's only $15 I've got. I, didn't, I worked part-time, but I was preparing for the ministry. And I, I, Lord, I might need this for petrol. I might need this for this. And he goes, do you really believe? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. He quoted that scripture to me. I said, yes, God, you know I believe it. And I'm, I'm arguing with the Lord that I might need it. And the Lord said, do you really believe it? Yes, God, I believe it. If you believe, you wouldn't be arguing with me. If you actually believe, give, and it shall be given unto you. With the measure you use to give will be measured back to you. If you really believe it, then I said, okay, God. So I just acted on it. I gave it. And he got blessed a little bit. He needed it. He had nothing to eat that, that, that lunchtime. Anyway, I used to always drop off people after church. And, I, and on the way back home, Bird, Road, Bird Station was on the way. I always drop off people. And this time, someone just froze after I dropped them off. They put 20 bucks on my lap when they were leaving the car, the van. And God said, see, my word. It was like 15 minutes later. I gave $15, I got back 20 bucks straight away. So, wow, this works. You know, you know that faith, a child, I'm a baby, I'm a baby, baby in the Lord. And it's these little encounters and experiences, and I've, I've had thousands of them now, heaps and heaps and heaps, that you can't tell me it doesn't work. You know what I mean? You can't tell me the Bible doesn't work or God's Word doesn't work, all that stuff. Christian and I have learned to give, and, and, and I'm still learning because I'm saying, when I'm meditating these scriptures and going through the Word, I'm thinking, God, I want to be way more generous than I am now. Way more. I feel like I haven't scraped the surface. I, I, I want to learn to be able to give all the time. And imagine every day you're sowing seed. But to live in that lifestyle, you've got to have abundance, don't you? You know, God blesses us, the Bible says, so that we can be a blessing. Let me read in, ver- uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, who likes to reap sparingly? Be honest. No one does. 
So I like to reap sparingly, just enough, just a little bit. No, we all want to reap. The Bible says, he who sows bountifully or generously will also reap generously. It's like you're controlling the harvest by the seed that you and I sow. Like what Jesus said before, with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. We think God just haphazardly gives to us whenever he wants to. He's actually watching us the way we sow seed. The way we give to others. So let, look at this, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly. There's one thing that God doesn't like, a, a grudging person, a, a person that gives grudgingly. Deal with your heart, deal with your own heart, and make sure you give with cheerful joy, right? Don't give out of a grudgingness and, and out of necessity. God doesn't like us to give when we feel compulsed to give. And, and we, let's be honest, some churches and some leaders around the world have done God, a bad representation, the way they've asked people to give and all that. And it's some, some of it's been quite bad. So please, if you've been burnt by that, God doesn't want you to give out a necessity ever, all right? But for God loves a cheerful giver. He actually loves when your heart's involved in it and you've got faith for it. This is what I want to get to. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Abound towards who? The giver. Talking about those that give. Just so, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows generously will reap generously. And it talks about, you know, when you purpose in your own heart, God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that, so that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I'm not in that place yet, that I have sufficiency in all things, and I have abundance in every good work. There's a lot of good work I want to do that I don't have the finances for. Sometimes I want to do, oh, I don't have the finances. I would like to do, oh, don't have the finances. This is talking about a lifestyle of generosity that God brings to you all that you need in all things. It's phenomenal. I'm going I'm to pursue for this. I'll pursue for this even if it takes right to the end until Jesus comes back. But I'm going to keep living the lifestyle of generosity because I believe God is a good God. Amen? All righty. There's a lot of scripture. There's a lot of stuff that the Bible says you shall not. There's a lot, you shall, there are a lot of you shall not to be obeyed. They shall not this, and you shall not do this. Shall not. Do. So there's a lot of things, and I've seen people that preach the word of God. I've no, I've, got, I've got a friend that that fell drastically, but he sowed seed to sin, and if you sow towards sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Even if you're a New, a New Testament believer, born again, living under grace, if you sow towards your flesh, and you sow, I've seen people sow towards sin, adultery, and those things, thinking, obviously you wouldn't do that if they think you can get away with it, but eventually that seed has to grow and it produces fruit, and guess what? You'll eat the fruit of that. And, the, and, it's, come, and it's come down on that person where they lost everything, even his life. The word's real, the word's true. Remember, it's wonderful, but it's also dreadful because it works both ways. You can't think you can get away with it. Oh, no, but God loves me. And then we can just sow whatever we want. And what we sow, we will also reap, even though God loves you. He does love us. And he's trying to show us to, to, there's a reverential fear of God. I hope you're hearing the heart of the Father, not, you know. Whatever measure you use will be measured back to you. 
So if we give with spoonfuls and we grudgingly and we sort of sparingly, just a little bit of spoon away here, a little bit of spoon away. We go, God, I'm in need. He comes down with a spoon. The angel comes down. God, can I get something bigger? No, no, he's, got, he's just been giving spoons away. Here's a spoonful of the blessings from heaven, and he gives you spoonfuls. If you learn to give with shovels, I reckon the angels will come down. God, can I give more? No, no, shovels. Get some shovel full of that blessing. And if you give wheelbarrow fulls away, then the angels will get wheelbarrow fulls. It's just, I'm trying to give, paint a picture. The measure you use will be measured back to you. This should encourage us to go, God, help me be generous. And you can only be generous with faith. Hey, it's, it's, this is a faith thing. It's, it's really trusting our Father. Three things that a farmer does when a farmer sows. Right, because we're talking about sowing and reaping, we're talking about these things. A farmer, when he sows, expects three different things. The first one, the father farmer hopes and anticipates a harvest. The never the farmer never plants a seed without the hope of harvest that is sown. Katie is a farm girl. She she's one of our, you know. Beautiful, amazing um, girls in our church, ladies in the church, and and she grew up on the farm. And so I can imagine the farm, the farmer, when they, depending on what they want, they're going to sow a seed, but they expect the harvest. That is not the motivation of why you give, though. But when you do give, you do have a heart of expectation that it'll come back because it is a seed sown. But it's not why we give. God, Jesus never taught us this is why you give. I can't imagine that Father in heaven go, oh, I'm so excited that my people are giving because they want to get back something else. They want to get back. Now we give because God said to give out of faith. And we give because there's need out of love. But we know that the seed that we give will come back with a, with a harvest. We just know that. A farmer knows that. There's nothing wrong with a farmer to know. Actually, a farmer would not sow a seed if he didn't know that seed would produce. Does that make sense? Childlike faith. Number two, the farmer anticipates and understands the specific type of harvest that he'll get. What does that mean? If he wants corn, he has to plant corn. If he wants wheat, he has to plant wheat. If he wants watermelon, he's got to get watermelon seeds and plant watermelons. He knows the seed he sows is going to determine the type of harvest that comes back. And that's true in life, guys. It really is. You know, the Bible says he shows himself friendly. We'll have many friends. No one wants to be my friend. No one wants to be my friend. And you're just a grumpy old little man. Because no one's going to be your friend. Be friendly. Be kind. Be generous. Now, when I first became a Christian, I was thinking of this when I was driving here. I, I was a fashion designer and I had a lot of nice clothes. And the Lord spoke to me once. says, take all your clothes, put in a van, go to, go to King's Cross. And I found some homeless people. It was not easy to do. They wouldn't follow me to my van. And all my clothes in my van. And, you know, you go up to a stranger and I can tell they're homeless. And, hey, I've got some clothes in my van I want to give you. What? Oh, look, I'm a Christian. God spoke to me. I had to explain everything. They finally followed me. I had all these cool clothes, breakdance, breakdancing stuff, hip-hop stuff. Now, wow, this is so cool. And, and they want to give it to him so-and-so. I give it to John. I give it to Steve. I give, and they were so excited. And I sewed my clothes away. And one time I had a beautiful jacket that I designed that I loved. And this guy happened to see me wear it. Loved it. From church. He loved it. And, and, the, and he wanted to buy it. He said, how much can I pay for it? I said, look. And then the Lord said to me, just wrap it up. Give it to him. So I gave it to him. He was so touched and blessed. But the point is, I sewed clothes away. I've never lacked a harvest of clothes. All the days of my life, ask my wife, and I'm just always blessed with clothes. And I don't go out trying to buy them. You know, Father's Day birthday presents and Christine's mum and dad, between Christine's mum and dad, I'm so clothed with clothing. I've got so many jackets. I don't need it. Go get yourself another jacket. I don't need another jacket. 
but what you show. And you start with, remember I started with $15. One time I gave an old Bluebird car away. It's probably worth about $1,000. Could have easily sold it for $1,000. And the Lord spoke to us many, many years ago. There was an Indian family that was fresh from India. They were establishing themselves here. A couple of little kids. $1,000 is nothing. Back then, 20 years ago, with our, where we were at, it, it was a lot for us. But we sewed a car away. Just gave it to them. And that's nothing much. I think it's, it's nothing. It's $1,000. When you learn to give, you realize God, you plant a seed, it just keeps coming back in harvest form. But we have been blessed with harvesters. Of, we've been harvesting cars. I'm not saying that's why you give. But when you obey God, God takes care of you. We've got to learn to stretch ourselves. We, you know, we gave a year and a half away, gave the VW van that I used to drive away. I got blessed with it. Someone gave me a van, a beautiful van that we drove for about six years. And then when we needed, I was given another car by Christine's mum. We sewed that away to a needy family. And I could have got 12, 14 grand for it, but we gave it away. You learn to sew. We start small. But you learn to stretch yourself. You start to say, God, whatever you say. And it's about Him owning everything. It really is. It's like, again, when I give, I'm not, I don't have less. I'm sowing seed. Please hear the heart. We, we, you don't have less when you have a Father that takes care of you. Amen. I want you to trust God. And even Paul in Galatians, no, no, sorry, in Philippians, he says, I'm teaching you to give not because I'm in need or not because I'm in want. But this is what he says. But I want credit to abound to your account. He says, I'm trying to teach you to give so that you have credit abounding to your account in heavenly places. It's teaching people this lifestyle of generosity. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that I know no human being ever has done justice to your word. But we did our best to share we pray, Father God, that you teach us to trust you, to hear your voice, to learn to be generous like never before. We pray that this church will be so generous towards the nations, towards the poor, towards the needy. Lord, help us be so abundantly blessed that we can help humanity and preach this gospel all around the world through media, through radio, through TV, through all the social medias. Lord, we bless the people here right now, Lord, as they trust you, as they submit to you, as they say, Father, we bring what belongs to you back and we give as you, as you lead us. Bless your people, Father. Enlarge their capacity to receive as they sow seed everywhere they go. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.